0: Welcome to the weekly podcast, recorded live at Glory City Church, Brisbane. We hope you are blessed by this week's sermon. Pray, Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for this day. Lord, this is the day that you've made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Father, we need your help. God, you said if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask. Lord, we come and we ask you for wisdom. Teach us your ways, show us your paths, guide us in the way everlasting. God, we humble ourselves before you and say, teach us, Lord. Give us ears to hear, give us eyes to see. Show us your ways, Lord God. Speak to us through your word tonight in ways that we can apply and see shift and change happen. Lord, that your name would be glorified. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn with me. We are beginning in Ephesians chapter one. Hallelujah. Actually, you wanna read the whole chapter because it's just delicious. Read it in every version you can get your hands on. It's so beautiful. But we're gonna look at, uh, start today in verse 17. Ephesians 1, 17. This is the apostolic prayer that Paul opens Um, the letter to the Ephesians with. And I love the apostolic prayers. Any way you can see in the scripture where um, they are praying for believers, you can take it, apply it personally, know absolutely it's the will of God for your life and you can have it. So I love the apostolic prayers. I grab them, I personalize them for myself, I memorize them, I pray them in faith and expectation that I'm gonna get in increasing measure everything that it's praying there. Uh, and and I, because I believe scripture, all scripture, all um, prophetic words, they are waiting for our response. And we need to have a response that says, I'm not just gonna let it sit there. I'm gonna actually see that and say, thank you. Yes, God, you said you've given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. Well, thank you very much, God. I thank you for this table laid before me in the presence of my enemies. I'm gonna go and pick up off that table what you've put there. I'm gonna apply that today. I'm not gonna sit back and be somebody who knows about it but doesn't partake of it, but I'm gonna get up today and apply what, what the Lord has given to me, amen? Yeah. Ephesians 1.17. Paul's praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. I pray this prayer pretty much every day for the Holy Spirit to enlighten the eyes of my understanding in the knowledge of Him. That I would have increasing wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of the Father. I wanna know Him, I wanna understand Him. I wanna know about Him, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I want want to know Him more in ever increasing ways. I want supernatural revelation of what He's like, hallelujah. Because it is in knowing what He is like that I will know the hope of his calling on my life. Because when I see what he is like, 1 John 4 says, as he is, so are we in this world that's now living today as believers who have received Jesus Christ as Savior, I've become a new creation, all things have passed away. Now as he is, what I know about him, what I discover about him, now, is true about me, in that I have been joined to him as the body of Christ, he is holy. Praise God, by the grace of God, I have been made holy. And so the the wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him shows us the truth of our identity, shows us the hope of our calling, hallelujah. But I wanna look at this verse um, here where he talks about the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. That is the value that you and I have as saints in the earth. God wants you to know the riches of the glory of his inheritance in you. He wants you to know in increasing measure the value that you have. Walking around on the earth, God's delight, his inheritance, that's you. Jesus said, it's better that I go away because you, full of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus would be walking the earth. That's that's a pretty big statement. But we need to have revelation of this reality. We need to pray. Paul was praying that the saints would come to wake up and realize they're not little people who are, you know, being given a ticket to heaven but just trying to survive. He wants you to know the riches of the glory of his inheritance in you. Because when you understand your value, You have the capacity to know the greatness of the power toward you who believes, hallelujah. You can be the light of the world and the glory of God can cover the earth as the water covers the sea as the people of God. Shake off the identity lies that the enemy has thrown at them and start to believe what he says, then they will arise and shine with a holy confidence that starts to manifest the goodness and the truth of who God is, amen? Hallelujah, we are ambassadors of Christ. And so we've been talking about value and our value to God. It's so so rich, it's so deep. Um, Song of Songs, chapter two, verse 14, says this. Oh my dove, in the clefts of the rock, in the secret places of the cliff, let me see your face, let me hear your voice for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. This is God speaking to his bride, to you. He says, let me see your face. Oh, let me hear your voice, because your voice is lovely to me. Your face is lovely to me. You move me with your voice. This is how the Father feels about us. And in expressing what he feels about us, he instills in us value. And when we understand our value, we can have a holy confidence that is free to be generous with our love for everybody else. We can then love like He loves. He loves us by showing us that we have value. We have great value. And then when we understand that, we have the capacity to love others by showing them that they have great value. Until we understand our value though, when we interact with others, instead of having a motivation of wanting them to know how valuable they are to you and to God, we can be subtly motivated with a need to receive from them affirmation because our sense of value is lacking. And so we start to pull from people rather than fully giving and releasing. And God wants us to be rooted and grounded in the love of God, that the perfect love of God would cast out all insecurity, all fear, that he would be, we would give him time to drink deeply of the river of his pleasure for us. Why? So that we could be enriched, filled up to overflowing with revelation knowledge of the riches of the glory of his inheritance in us that we would know the value we have to him. I remember when I was just six years old, um, my mum and dad had been divorced when I was four. And um, in those days, we we were only able to see my dad a couple of times a year. And um, he lived in another state. And I remember on my sixth birthday, he came round to visit and mum let us go outside, my brother and I and my dad, and sit on the patio for about 15 minutes. And I remember he looked at me and he said, you've got really beautiful eyes. And you know, as a six-year-old, I just drank it in. Like, this is what he believes about me. He was speaking something about me that he valued. And it was like, my father thinks I have value. My father thinks I have value, that I'm valuable. And you know, as children with divorce, and we don't understand all of that, and, and there's all sorts of insecurities that come in, but when you hear a father speak something that imparts value to you, it does something to your identity. Now, some years later, I can still remember those words. You know, your ability to show people that they have value should never be underestimated. The Bible says that an anxious heart weighs a man down, Proverbs 12, 25, but a kind word cheers him up. Your ability to bring a kind word that helps people know they have value is so profound, because what it can do is help them recognize what God's like. If you're a Christian as he is in this world and you are looking at them and you've got nothing but criticism and judgment for them, those who don't yet know the Father or don't know him well could quickly begin to believe that that, that's what God's like because that's what Christians are like. God wants us to be known by our love for one another. He wants us to be known for loving like he loves. And this is how he loves us. He looks at us and loves us. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is when Jesus looked at the rich young ruler. And it just says, he looked at him and loved him. And that is is who he is. He looks at us and he loves us. You know, you and I have a capacity to look at people and love them, just with a look. A look that says, I'm looking at you and this is how I feel about you. I look at you and I love you. You know, at my heart is that I would begin to be known by, as someone that when anybody gets close, they would feel the love of the Father, that they would feel the acceptance of God, I made this decision in my heart a few years ago when I was going through a really difficult season and I walked into a pastor's meeting and um, I, was, I put my pastor's hat on. I said, hey everybody, how are you? Good to see you, a smile on my face. And then my friend Charles Stock uh, was there and he, he, said, he saw me, he put his arms out and he said, Catherine, and I sobbed. I just burst into tears and I thought, oh, how did that happen? I have so much self-control, I had, I, ha- I had it together. What happened there? And I went back to my hotel room and I actually asked God about it. I said, how did that happen? I had it together. How did that happen? And the Lord said, well, you feel safe in my presence and Charles carries my presence. And it's true. Because in behind closed doors, alone in the presence of God, I don't have to put on any mask, I can just be. And he interprets my tears, hallelujah. But Charles was one who just carried the acceptance of Jesus that as soon as I heard his greeting, I felt the safe place I feel when I get alone with God. You know, it challenged me to the point that just I, dis- I made a conscious decision. From that moment on, I want to practice being aware that I carry the presence of God. I began to practice with Joseph while he was at school. I'd be thinking, okay, he's gonna come in the door in the next 15 minutes, and I began to anticipate what's he going to experience when he walks through that door. He's going to experience the same acceptance someone feels in heaven going to feel the same level of love and, and absolute delight and acceptance that when he hears my greeting, he's going to feel loved. And you know, then we started to do it more without, when we'd go to functions, Tom's an honorary consul for Finland, and so we get to go to different functions, and rather than just checking my lipstick before I'd walk in, I'd start to think, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna check and remember what I look like what I look like in the spirit, I'm one that carries the presence of God. So when people shake my hand or hear my greeting or look at me in the eyes, they are going to encounter the love of God that's gonna cause them to say, I want that. I want to know that person's God. I want to know her God, amen? amen. Imparting value, it's about our identity. You know, It's more than just, if, he'd, if my dad had just said, oh, you have a nice dress, I would have, valued that dress very highly. And hey, compliments are great, appreciate the compliments. But because he said something about something I was, my eyes, this is something about you, your identity. It struck me so deeply. And so God wants us to recognize that when we're speaking with people, we have a capacity to speak into their identity and help them understand and receive value. We've been talking a little bit about marriage and um, relationships, uh, began on Friday, and talking about the way that we interact with each other in order to be able to make one another feel valued. Has anyone ever um, heard about the different love languages? You know, one of the key ways that we can help people feel value is by loving them the way that they are created to understand love. Me, I I like affection. I like words, and you know, give me the words and that, the pat on the back and the affection, and I'm happy. I feel loved. I feel loved. Tom, on the other hand, is an acts of service person. So, you know, show it by what you do, is how he'll he'll receive love, and so learning how to know what that's about for for the people we work with, the people that we. Um, in our families, understanding that loving them the way that you like to receive it isn't necessarily as a selfless love, but loving them in the way that you know they will receive it helps them understand and be filled up with with the love of God, because you and I get to impart to others the same love that we've received Him from Him. We love because. He first loved us, hallelujah. And when we are generous with our love, when we are generous with the way that we help people feel value, we empower them to be generous in the same way. But if they are feeling they need to be defensive all the time, then the expectation for them to overflow with generosity in their love towards you is unrealistic because they'd have to first get around the barrier of it's safe to talk to you. A lot of couples actually live in a place where they just avoid getting in trouble with each other. Like, you know, it may be that they start off with lots and lots of conflict, but then get to a place where it's like they call it the winter where it's it's just like, we just dance around each other and try not to get each other annoyed at each other. But not actually living in a place of dynamic, healthy, happy relationship, more avoiding. And the avoidance has come from the fact that their experience has taught them that if if I spend too much time around you, I'm likely to get corrected again and again and again and again. And in doing that, very often what it's doing is it's actually communicating to our spouse that you are not a good spouse. I, I, I never understood this in the beginning. I, when, when we first got married, praise the Lord, we've been married 28 years. And I, I'd be like, can you empty the bin? You know, or empty the bin or you never empty the bin. That, that's not actually true. But the moment you say you never empty the bin, What he would hear would be, I'm a bad husband. She thinks I'm a bad husband. I'm like, no, the bin stinks. But in his mind, it's like, she thinks I'm a bad husband. And I never understood that my words were actually affecting what he believed that I believed about him, so I had to start changing my language and stop using the never word because it was actually not true, as he regularly did, if he just didn't do it when I wanted him to do it or as regularly as I wanted him to do it, then I, I had to realize, hang on, don't tell lies, Catherine, A, first, but B, recognize that if I'm going to have an ask or actually bring a correction, I need to make sure that I'm not drawing from an empty tank in the first place. That he already has a very solid identity of, she thinks I'm a hero, she thinks I'm a great husband, she believes this, and how, do that, how does that happen? By appreciating and affirming him, hallelujah. In the same way, wives can feel like, that's a, that's a trigger for me. When people criticize you, oh, you're a you woman in ministry, you mustn't be a very good wife or mother. It's like, oh, trigger. ah, trigger, ah, ah. Don't say that because deep, deep, deep desire is, I wanna be a good wife, I wanna be a good mother. You see my early journals, please God, make me a good mother. Please God, make me a good wife. Please God, help me to keep this place tidy. <laughs> But you know what? We have to be very careful, particularly in that most close relationship of marriage, that we are very conscious of taking time to appreciate one another. Because it's in the appreciating that we are actually communicating, this is what I believe about you. I believe you are a good husband. I believe you are a good wife it's the same thing with our children and the way that we speak to them i have got to be careful joseph seems to have a quite a social life with his boom, boom, car makes loud noises <laughs> and he's the most delightful son he's absolutely delightful but for a little while there he'd get in quite late and i you know a mum mum does not go to sleep until son has come in and so half past 11 close to midnight I'd come into his room and I'd say things like, hey Joseph, have you cleaned your teeth? Hey Joseph, you know, pick up the towel off your floor. And I realized, what I was really meaning is, I'm really glad you're home, I love you so much. Aww. But my mother thing was like, okay, no, this has to happen. And the Holy Spirit actually corrected me. And he said, Catherine, is that, is that how you want him to, to see you? Do you want him to see you as somebody every time that speaks to him has something to correct? Or do you want him to be really happy about the sound of your voice? And so I had to stop myself and go, okay, it's late, and these things need to be done, but I need to take a few minutes to say, oh, I'm so happy to see you, how was your day? Tell me about something good that happened. Tell me how things went, and to take time to let him feel the value of knowing that I value him as a person. So in the same way, I believe the Holy Spirit is wanting us in a very practical way to start thinking about how we can make one another feel valuable. Sometimes spouses think, well, I don't want to appreciate them about something little they do because I don't want them to think that I'm satisfied with that because I want more than just that. You know, that's a reasonable start, but actually I would like a whole lot more than that. Thank you very much. But the truth is, if you don't appreciate the little bit, you're not going to see the more. Because in not receiving appreciation for the bit of effort that gets put in, what you are doing is you are communicating to them you're not good enough. And that every time um, they make an effort, it's still not good enough, and pretty soon, they'll give up trying. So instead, if we can be careful to value and affirm, God does this. You know, you look at the prophets. I I look at Jeremiah and the Lord would speak to him and say, what do you see? He'd say, I see an almond branch. You've seen well. Now, here's what you're gonna go and tell the nation of Israel. God wants us to be people who understand to celebrate the little things, to start looking for opportunities to celebrate each other, looking for opportunities to affirm. So say you want, you want more help around the house, rather than um, getting stingy with your appreciation and you see your spouse do something, they might clean the kitchen, rather than going, well, yeah, that's good, but hey, I really would love you to pick up your clothes off the bathroom floor and da-da-da-da-da-da. If instead you took a moment to go, hey, that, was, that really means a lot to me, thank you for doing that, I so appreciate that, that's made my life so much easier. All of a sudden they feel like, they think I'm a wonderful spouse. And if you then ask for more help, instead of it being a sense of, she doesn't think I'm good, she doesn't think I'm good, it'll be, this is an opportunity to be more of a hero. <laughs> Hallelujah. Same thing with the children. You know, as we start to turn the tables and start to think differently about the way we relate, you know, you and I weren't meant to control each other, we were called to love each other. And it's the goodness and kindness of God that leads us to repentance. By appreciating the little things, what we do is we empower people to be generous with their giving generous with their love. When you are generous with your appreciation, when you're generous with your attempts to make people feel valuable, you empower them to be generous in doing more of what you have just valued, hallelujah. Is this making sense to anybody? But if we're consistently talking down to people, I mean, I've, I get embarrassed sometimes when I listen to the way some spouses talk to each other. I've sat in the back of vehicles while the husband and wife are in the front, and to hear them talk to each other, I just cringe and think, oh, Lord, help. Because you know the wife might be up the front saying, oh, don't be, you take this turn, do that, do this, da, 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 da. And I'm sitting in the back thinking, oh, I can, I can imagine what he is thinking right now. He's thinking, she thinks I don't know where to go. She thinks I'm a bad driver. She thinks, and she's doing it publicly in front of somebody else. What it's communicating is she doesn't think I'm her hero. She thinks I'm needing all her help. She's thinking this. And in the same way, we need to be conscious of some of the blind spots in our own lives and in our own habits. It can happen in our workplaces with really good people. Because they're so good and they never give you any trouble, it can very easily become a habit just to tell them the things that need to be done rather than taking time to appreciate them for the things that they do every day really well. When we start to appreciate them, all of a sudden we empower them to be more generous and to go above and beyond the call of duty. You know, I say this, and I know it's a very practical message, but I really believe as we make a decision to turn relationships around and look for the opportunity to help people feel value, what we will do is empower them to be able to open their hearts and receive the good news because they will have seen you manifesting what the Father's like. Children that have had nothing but correction their whole lives struggle to believe that when they come to God, he's not there with a stick pointing out their sin. When we understand and parents begin to show what the father is like, then it helps them to understand when they come to God, God's not looking to smack them. He's looking to set them free. He's looking to love them, to affirm them, to welcome them. He is the father of the prodigal son all the time to them, welcoming them, putting his arms around them. giving them a robe and a ring and lavishing love on them far beyond whatever they they could ever ask or deserve. You know, God is kinder than you and I deserve all the time. He is kinder than anyone you've ever met and He's given you and I power to manifest that kindness. Love is kind. God wants us to pick it up and start putting it on as a superpower. And I put on the superpower of kindness. And today I'm going to look for opportunities to appreciate those around me. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. Father, we say thank you. Lord, you are so good. And Lord, we're asking for your help today. Lord, that you'd give us eyes to see, that you'd help us, Lord, to love one another as, as they experience and understand love. Lord, help us to love one another in ways that truly help people feel and know that they are valued. Lord, that they might know and experience the value that you have for them. Father, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your help today. Holy Spirit, come. Lord, we love you. We're gonna pray for a few people in just a minute. But before we do that, I wanna ask you today If you're here and you know in your heart you are not walking in relationship with God, the Father came and He gave His Son, who knew no sin, to become sin so that we could be made righteous. He came and He offered forgiveness freely, gave forgiveness to the whole world. But reconciliation happens when you acknowledge I need that forgiveness. When you repent and say, Lord, I, I've been living for myself I've been living um, and I in ways that displease you I acknowledge I have sinned and when we come before him and we say I need salvation I need forgiveness I need your mercy I recognize sin deserves punishment and you took that punishment for me I receive the gift of salvation I receive the gift of forgiveness the gift of of mercy, when you open your heart and acknowledge your need for forgiveness, when you open your heart and say, Lord, I repent, and I don't want that anymore in my life. I want you to be my Lord and my Savior, the one who gives me forgiveness and power to be different. The Bible says that he he will come into into your heart and into your life, and you and he will be reconciled. You will be made a brand new creation. Old things pass away, it's called being born again, but it's a very deliberate decision to say, Lord, I am choosing to receive your mercy. I'm choosing to repent of living for myself and I choose, Lord, to make you my Lord and my Saviour, the one who forgives me, who cleanses me, and who gives me a new heart, a clean heart, an eternal life. If you're here today and you know in your heart you wanna make that choice to cross the line and say, yes, Jesus, I wanna receive you as my Lord and Savior, everybody has the opportunity to do that because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the good news is that when you confess him before men, he'll confess you before his Father who's in heaven when you acknowledge I, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness, I need mercy, come into my life, make me a new creation. He will come in and he will make you a saint. He will make you new, he will make you clean and you'll become part of the body of Christ. If that's you today, would you just wave your hand at me? I'd love to see you. Is there anyone here that says, yes, I wanna give my life to Christ today? Let me see your hand if that's you. So true. God bless.